Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. I'm actually just going to lay a little... I'm actually just going to lay a little foundation to get to where um, I want to go. Uh, I want to talk about some uh, prophetic things that uh, we believe that the Lord is showing us and uh, where we're headed. And um, and so we're just going to start here. This is a, Everybody could probably quote this verse of Scripture in Jeremiah 29 that I want to start with. Then we'll grab some out of the book of Ephesians and uh, 1 Corinthians and uh We'll get to where we all want to, uh, where where I want to go. I'm just trying to lay a little foundation to what um, I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about uh, destiny, and uh, and so we're going to go at it from there. How many had a? You, I trust you all had a good Thanksgiving. How many had plenty to eat? All right, so we on a three day fast now. So we ate for three days. You got to fast three days, level it out. But uh, no, we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, uh, this past week, and um, Stanton preached last Sunday, glory to God, come on, give him a shout out, and uh, so uh, he did, he preached better than me, so it's going to be hard to follow, but I'm going to do my best, he did a phenomenal job, um, if you were not here, you need to listen to it, and um, he sent me a picture of him climbing the ladder and all of that, so I thought, man, I mean, I'm not going to climb no ladder this morning, okay, I'm going to stay on the ground, Bible says, Lo, he's with us always. Even until the end, but uh, I want to talk with you because um, I actually told him I said because he was we was also fired up last week, and, and I told him I said now you got to hold some of this till I get back. Don't let all of it out. Till I get back, and so uh, but we we're going to get in there and look at it. So let's go to Jeremiah twenty nine. You there? If you ain't found it by now, you're probably not going to find it. Just Google it or trust it. I'm going to read it to you. Amen. And so we're talking about destiny this morning. And um, it says, for I know the thoughts, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I have, that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, and to give you a future and a hope. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a good future. You got a good future. I know. I don't care what nobody's told you, God's plans for you are big, friend. Listen, we got to learn how to dream bigger. We got to learn how to have a bigger vision. God's plans for us is great, man. If today ain't great, guess what? He's not done. Because at the end of your story, it's going to be really good. I don't care what it took to get there. At the end of your story, it's going to be really, really good. My God, come on now. Y'all going to help me preach? All right. Now, the word destiny means a hit. This is just what Webster says. It says the word destiny means the hidden power believed to control what will happen in your future or faith. You got something hid down on the inside of you that you got to discover. And can I tell you that God has been pointing you there ever since you got here. It was actually predetermined before you ever got in the earth, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But there's something hidden on the inside of you that, that is pulling you towards something, and that's what God has destined all of our lives to be. There's no one in here that showed up in the earth by happenstance. You didn't get here by accident. I don't care if Percy Sledge was playing, come on, somebody, and your mom and daddy was in the back seat. It takes God to give life, right? So God chose you to be here. He chose the time that you would enter into the earth. You could have been born in the 20s. You could have been born in the 40s. You could have been born in the 1800s. But according to Acts 17, God chose the time of our dwelling and the place that we would live. We had no choice but to end up here. Come on, somebody in Cook County, in this, in this place called Sparks. It was all predetermined before we got here. And there's something on the inside of us pulling us that direction called destiny. All right? Now let's go right here to the book of Ephesians. Then we're going to get in some prophetic stuff. If, if you don't like that, just bear with us. We release you to go, but we're going to talk about it. Amen. And a lot of people, how I many knows the Bible says despise not uh, prophecy or prophesying? There's a reason why it warns us not to despise it. Amen. Some people get wore out with it. We'll say, well, when's it coming? I don't know. It's just coming. That's just like the Lord's return. He's coming. Amen. He's on the way. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I want to look at this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're not looking to be blessed, you're already blessed. Come on. Just as he chose us in him, look at this, before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined, look at this, having predestined us to the adoptions as the sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Uh, this, is, this, this word destined means it, it's determined beforehand, ordained. Uh, uh, mark out your boundaries. Other words, you couldn't, you couldn't help but be here. This is how much you're on destiny. Now let's look at this right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 6. I want to I wanna get right here. I'm trying to travel in a hurry to get to where if I want, I'm not going to get all the stories in. It says... In verse 6, let's look at verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? Look at this. I planted and Apollos watered but God gave the increase. Now I want to talk right here for a minute. Here's an agriculture lesson. One plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. This is all about destiny. Listen, destiny, in other words... Destiny, uh, let me, let me, I wrote it down right here. Help me. I thought I was going to be able to be big enough to get it, get it right here, what I wrote down. Uh, to be planted is destiny concealed. To have increase is destiny revealed. So how many knows there's a journey from it being concealed to the time it's revealed? All of us are on a journey. And what I have learned in my journey with 20 years walking with the Lord is that God wastes nothing. Everything is for a season. Every trial we go through, every hardship, everything is for a reason to get us to the place. It's not The destination is not as important as as much as the journey on the way to the destination. That God is building us as he's building what we have in the future. He's building us to hold what, what, what he's sending to. So when the, the scripture says we're planted, do you understand that that word plant, it comes back to a predestination. God planted us here. He could have planted us in Laguna Beach, California, but he planted us here. He's the ultimate farmer. And when he plants us, he planted something on the inside of us called destiny that when we got into the earth he, he strategically planted me where he planted me he planted me in my mother's womb come on that's what the Bible said he strategically placed me there and when he placed me there he placed something on the inside I didn't know I was a preacher when I was a kid I didn't know I was a preacher when I was a teenager but boy when I met him things started coming alive in my life and the thing that he destined me for before the foundations of the world when I got in the presence and the anointing of Almighty God, it started calling babies to jump in my womb. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, that's why you can always tell people who they are when God shows up. Singers want to sing. Dancers want to dance. Preachers want to preach. Prophets want to prophesy. Teachers want to teach. Everybody does what they're called to do when God shows up. Tell me when we let spirit break out, God starts moving in the room. Man, dancers go to dancing. Singers go to singing. He planted us. You got to see this. He strategically planted you. What no happenstance? I don't believe in no happenstance. Come on now, because the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I don't believe in no happenstance, no coincidence. You just slipped up there. Come on, somebody. I remember one day that we were over in Baxley, Georgia, me and a, another guy, and he said, I feel like we got to go in Dairy Queen. Well, myself, I don't need to hit Dairy Queen that often, but we go in Dairy Queen. And as we're standing in Dairy Queen, there was, there was a lady that was standing at the corner, uh, uh, standing behind us in line, and he turns around and tells her, he said, ma'am, do you believe God's a healer? And she said, yes, I believe God's a healer. And he said, ma'am, do you believe God can heal that pain in your back right above your left hip? And her eyes got about that big around. She said, you don't understand. I wasn't even hungry, but I felt hey, just something come over me and told me that I had to pull into this Dairy Queen. And God, we prayed for her, and God healed her instantly in that Dairy Queen. I'm telling you that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. 
It's that inward nudging that you feel. I just got to go here. I just got to go there. Come on, somebody. And when you get there, you find out that destiny was awaiting on you the whole time. It was when Saul was just happened to go looking for his father's donkeys. Come on, somebody. And they tell him about Samuel the prophet. And, the Sa- and Samuel the prophet looks at Saul and said, let me tell you the reason why you really showed up here. You came here looking for your daddy's donkeys. But let me tell you something God told me. And there's something lying on the inside of you that you don't even know what's on the inside of you, man. God has destined you to be the king of Israel. And you came here looking for donkeys. Sometimes in our usual routine, we go looking for donkeys, but we bump right into destiny because God has planted us here. Now, think about this planning. Now, like myself, you all probably have a bunch of words that you believe in God for. How many has got some prophetic things you believe in God for that was spoken? Now, let me say this. The Bible says that Jesus, or God, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So God didn't change his mind just because it took us 10 years or 15 years. It's still fresh on his heart. And the Bible says one day to the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day to the Lord. Think about a thousand years, that's just one day. So it's fresh on his heart, even though it's not fresh on our heart. We give up too easy. Remember when Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. What he was talking about, a brief faith. That's what most of us had, including me, myself sometimes. We have brief faith. We can believe when we, when, when, when we hear the word of God and our hair is standing up and I mean lightning bolts are falling from heaven. We hear that word. We walk out of here and we think that word's going to be this week. That word could be 10 years down the road. It could be 15 years down the road. You with me? So this word planted. So there's a time from the planting to the time of the increase. And that's called a watering season. How many knows you got to water what God gives you? Just because you got the word doesn't mean the word is going to come to pass unless you believe the word and you work the word. T.D. Jakes used to say it like this, the word will work if you work the word. Kenneth Copeland also says something like that. Come on now, you can get mad with it if you want to, but he's filthy rich and he's, and he's 80-something years old look like he's getting younger. Come on. So it must be working for him. By preaching a simple message of faith. Like Kenneth Hagin, the reason why he saw the massive healings that he saw. He said, I don't believe God heals because I've seen him heal. I believe God heals because he said in his word he's a healer. And we stand on the power of that word. That is a powerful book, church. Come on, somebody. Come on, men's tried to destroy it. It's still the number one bestseller of all times. And it's still powerful and it's still alive today. And it works in modern Christianity. Believe it or not, in 2017, it's still alive. Now, this from planning, from planning to harvest time, the Bible says we go from glory to glory. Come on, there's no recession in the kingdom. He said, "Upon the the, the governor be upon his shoulder, and the increase of his kingdom there shall be no end." God's kingdom does not recede; it only increases. Y'all gonna help me right here? That's why Jesus was able to rebuke that fig tree even though it was not time of the season of figs. What he's saying is because you're planted in me, you're not limited to the natural seasons. Come on, somebody. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's dead in the middle of winter. If you plant it into my kingdom, you can flourish. Come on, somebody. You can be like Isaac sowing in the land of famine yet reaping a hundredfold while everybody else is falling down. The blessing of God's on your life. Why? Because you're hooked up into his kingdom alright so the time of the planning to the time we go from glory to glory let me get on this if you've never heard this guy preach he's a phenomenal preacher I love to listen to him his name is Bishop Joseph Garlington and what he says in between glory to glory it gets gory in between glory and glory it gets gory how many ever want to give up? Might be, I might be the only one. But I have tried to give up a couple of times. And there's another reason why you know you're called with destiny. And you remember Jeremiah? He said he was going to shut up. He wasn't going to speak another thing. I'm not prophesying anymore. But he said, when I tried to throw it in the towel, your words like a flame of fire shut up in my bones. 
Now listen. Have you ever seen someone plant? Do you know what it takes to plant? Now I was not raised in the city. I know it's hard to believe, but I wasn't raised in the middle of the city. And to plant, you first of all, you got to go out there and you got to hair the field. You got to hair it. And then we hook something behind the tractor called a cultivator that's going to drop the seed into the ground and which is, so planting, if you will, almost looks like burial. And when we bury something, we're going to dig a hole and we're going to drop it in. So in the planting season, it will almost look, it looks identical to a burial season. The only thing is when a seed is planted, the life or destiny is hung down in the seed. Help me, Holy Ghost. So it almost looks like a burial season. It's, it, it looks like a burial season, but here's the deal. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. Some of us, we want the anointing, but we don't want to go through the dying process to get the anointing. We want the power, but we, we want the resurrection, but we want to skip the cross. Come on, somebody. We're never going to get the resurrection power till we're willing to go through the cross. Come on, somebody. And lay down in a tomb for three days and then come out on the other side. Come on, somebody. And you may have to look at your neighbor and say, I should have died in that event. Come on. When they walked off and left me, it should have been over for me. But somehow, God brought me through again. When I didn't think he was going to be able to keep me, the power that he was able to keep me with, come on has still got me here today. Some of you, your greatest testimony is my God, I'm still here. I didn't die. I didn't give up. I didn't quit. I got back up. I might have fell down five times, six times, but I got up again and I'm still going. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, it'll look like a burial season, but you gotta understand that the dark seasons, Lord, I'm hassling. I got to get in better shape to do this. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. How many have seen the movie Simon Birch, the little Simon Birch movie? Don't watch it, it'll make you cry. There's a baseball field, and Simon Birch was a little fella and his friend, and they was, his, this lady was ugly to his mom or whatever, and he said, Who do you think's going to win or whatever if they get in a fight? Well, he said, my mom's going to win because your mom's a smoker and she ain't got the, she got the staff to stay up with me. <laughs> I'm no smoker, by the way. Lord, let me add that in there for the podcast. All right. Smoking right now. Glory to God. Listen. The planting season. Everybody in this room... If you called to greatness and destiny lies within you, and I know it does, you're going to go through a planting season. You're going to watch the dirt or the earth cover everything you ever hoped for up. Be packed down. Covered up. There's a scripture in Psalms that says that God hides himself in the darkness. The baby's conceived in the darkness. And he stays inside the dark womb for nine months. Pictures are developed in a dark room. If you're in a dark season, I'm telling you right now, quit looking at it like it's going to kill you and start thanking God where you're at. Because I'm telling you, there's something going to be developed in you that was not there before you entered into that season. Come on, somebody. If you can't feel nothing this morning and you feel like every bit of the earth that you've ever believed for has covered you up and pushed you down, what you need to do is lift both of your hands and say, God, I thank you that you planted me. And sure as I went down and the foot went over me. Come on, somebody. You remember the Bible says that the devil was rejoicing when they laid the body of Jesus in the tomb. Come on, somebody. He did him a jig and he did him a dance. But he said if he had known what was the outcome on the other side, he would have never have crucified or planted him inside of that tomb. Come on. Now, if the enemy would have known your outcome, he would have never jumped on you or tried to do anything to you because it didn't kill you. It's going to make you stronger. Now, you got to go through the planting season. The planting looks like burial. 
But we're having no funeral. We're having a resurrection. Now look at this. I wrote this verse of scripture because I'm going to be nice, but the stuff we say. I'm guilty right here, okay? I'm preaching to myself. Find this verse of scripture right here in Jeremiah chapter 12. Look at this in verse 5. See, <clears throat> I'm trying to get us here to where we're going. But let's say you, 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 you're, you're a teenager and you work in the night shift at Burger King. Okay? Now you've done worked your way up. Now you're the chief whopper maker. You got to start somewhere. Huh? This Bible says despise not the day of small beginnings. Huh? Got to start somewhere. I started out running a set of post hole diggers. Come on. In 1997, I started out running a set of post hole diggers for the phone company. And by, by, by 2009, they had put me in my own business. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. Just run the hole diggers with everything you got. Come on, somebody. And if they ask you to dig one mile, dig two miles. Come on. Now, here's the deal. We said, well, Lord, this is going to crush me. Lord, Lord, they, they put me, Lord, they put me over these people down here and they won't even show up for work. This is killing me. Look at this verse of scripture. This is for the whiners and complainers. <laughs> Look at this. If you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, then how are you going to contend with the horses? Look at your neighbor and say, we're trying to make it to the Kentucky Derby. If we can't run with the footman, how in the world are we going to run with horses? The footman is to train you to run with horses. I can't get no help in here. I can't get no help. Come on, sir. I said the footman that's, God, that's causing you problems is trying to teach you how to run with horses. You got to know how to manage $100 before you can manage $1,000. I can't get no help. Come on, somebody. I said if you can learn how to manage $1,000, you can learn how to manage $100,000. If you can't tithe off of $30, you can't tithe off of $300. This is about running with the footman. It's training for raining. But if we can be faithful with the footman and we can run with the footman without being weary and giving up, then God will let us get over here with the horses. And I'm telling you, I'm about tired of running with ponies. I'm ready to run with some full grown horses. Glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost. God ain't destined us as a church to run with the little Shetland ponies. He's destined us to run with the Clydesdales. And we can't get weary with running with the footmen. Tell you why you give me so much work. You're killing me. No, I'm trying to raise you. Trying to raise me. I mean, Jesse, why you got us working 50 hours a week? Because Steve works 60 and 70 hours a week. Just thank God we ain't in those days anymore. Come on. Come on. Am I preaching? Come on, now listen. If we run with the footmen and get weary, we're never going to be qualified to run with the horses. So you got to understand the planting season is not there to kill you. It's to bring what's in you out of you. Because the seed is never going to grow as long as it just lays up on the top. The seed will never grow unless it's planted. Let me tell you this. There was a young man in the end of the 70s. You have predominantly southern gospel. I mean, praise and worship was about unheard of in the end of the 70s. Then God saved this young man in the Jesus movement. Full-blown hippie. He's not singing Southern Gospel. I don't, listen, whatever you want to listen to is fine. But God was changing the worship in the 80s to get, to get us from horizontal worship to vertical worship where we sing to Him. If I tell you about Jesus saving souls, I'm telling you about what He's done. I'm not saying nothing to Him. But when Darlene Check says, shout to the Lord, 
she's singing to him, the audience of one. So we was learning how to not sing about him, but start singing to him. Listen, it don't move, and it doesn't have to be great. What moves Catherine's heart is not if I go by Hallmark and buy something that somebody else has paid to come up with. But if I take a Xerox piece of paper and fold it and I write and pen her a letter even though I got misspelled letters in there. Come on somebody. But it came from my heart. This is what the father's looking for. And so there was a young man, you probably know his name, and he starts singing this song and it's, Oh Lord. You're beautiful. I'm no singer, barely a preacher. Your face is all I see. Um, when your eyes are on me. By the name of Keith Green. Any worship leader, listen, any worship leader you ever hear that don't say that, don't honor Keith Green and say he, that he, he, he's got the crown, they ain't a worship leader. I can tell you that right now. Because he's the man. As a matter of fact, you can go home and you can YouTube this. There's a song that Jason Upton did, and there's a couple of others that they that they music Keith Green's voice in with their voice, and they're singing, Oh Lord, you're beautiful. It's an amazing song. Well, in the end, at the at the early 80s, Keith was promised that he was given this prophecy that God was going to use him to shake the lives of teenagers all over the earth. And God had brought him from just, from, from nothing to, I mean, just quit. He quickly rose up on the biggest platforms. Although he did have a, he did have a worldly platform. He, he already had with his voice and with his talent, he did have a worldly, uh, platform. And, but, but God brought him from that into, and he was on some very large platforms very quickly. And they acquired 160 acres of land in, near Garden Valley, Texas. And they was believing God as they started this ranch that God was going to use them to shake, just to shake the lives of teenagers all over the world, just like God had promised. And Keith was heavily influenced from Leonard Ravenhill. If you've never listened to his stuff, if you want to get, I mean, I'm just telling you, you better be, better have your big boy britches on if you're going to listen to Leonard Ravenhill now, because I'm telling you, he's, he's, a, he's the real deal on prayer and fasting and all of that kind of deal. And so you could tell that Keith was heavily in, he was heavily shaped and influenced by Leonard Ravenhill in his songs. And then Keith wrote a book that it was called uh, No Compromise, a phenomenal writing that Keith wrote. And so, so, I mean, it just, God is opening doors. It seems like everything's going on. I'm talking about a planting season here, okay? Listen, I've not forgot where we're at. And so anyhow, that he receives the word, God's going to use you to shape teenagers. And he's scheduled to go and uh, he's scheduled to go in the fall of that year to OR. University. And there's a young man at ORU that couldn't wait for Keith Green to get there. He believed God was going to give him an impartation off of his life because he too was living with a promise that God was going to use him uh, um, to shake young people all over the all over the nation. And I believe it was in 1992, uh, 1982, around July, something like that. You can Google it or whatever. I could be off a little bit. But I think it was in 1982 that Keith was at his ranch and they had acquired a they had acquired an aircraft, a small aircraft that would hold six to eight people. And so there was some missionary friends that was there and uh, with Keith and Melanie and, and the and the kids wanted to go up in the air and look at the ranch and just do a little quick flyby what they were going to do and anyhow as they took up there was six there was six there was a couple in there with Keith and Keith had his uh, two children on his lap and I think Melly was pregnant with one or the little one or whatever was there at home with her and she was pregnant at the time. Anyhow, the plane took off and the plane never made it and it came down and it crashed and it killed Keith Green and it killed his two children and it killed the husband and wife and all of their children, the missionary. And they call, I, remember, I remember reading this in, in, uh, off of, from Melanie's book, his wife. She called Leonard Ravenhill and she said, Keith is gone. She said, he's gone. He, was, he died in a plane crash this afternoon. And Leonard Ravenhill quoted this back to her. He said, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. And he said, Keith will reach far more young people now that he's gone than he ever reached while he was standing on the earth. Listen, you gotta understand this about the promises of God. They are yes and amen. And they're not hooked up to any man but Christ. 
Jesus and they're alive today if somebody will reach into the heart of Jesus Christ or the mind of Christ and pull that promise out for today and say God just as you spoke it to Jonathan Edwards surely you could say it to John Bagley as sure as you use Kenneth Hagin you can use me listen to this that young man that was at ORU his name was Ron Luce and Ron Luce started Acquire the Fire, Teen Mania, and they owned the 160 acres where Keith Green lost his life. And that's where Acquire the Fire, Teen Mania is today. Tell me that God didn't say that, son, I will shake teenagers through your life all over the world. And God's promise was yes and amen to Keith Green. Now, we got this, we got this destiny. Now, God's going to put you with the people that you need to reach your destiny. Joseph's called to do great things, but he's got to meet a butler and he's got to meet a baker. And he meets both of those people in the plowing season of his life, the planting season. He meets them in a place called prison. What does a baker do? A baker takes a little bit of eggs, a little bit of flour, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of vanilla extract, and they put something together to create a nice cake. Somebody say amen. My God. Listen, but here's the deal. We rebuke you, devil. We ain't called to eat cake. Come on, somebody. We got to tear, you got to put him down right there. You know what I'm saying? He tried to get on me. I felt him trying to climb up, tempt me with a piece of cake. Listen, <clears throat> the, but, the bakers are someone that takes your life and they examine you. Come on, we don't, we don't want to be coached. We don't, we don't want to be taught. We don't want no constructive criticism. We just want to be, oh, we great and grand right now. But some of us are never going to get to the place that we're called to get until we can have somebody that can father or mother us and look at us and say, hey, you can't do that anymore. You can't act like that anymore. You can't talk like that anymore. You can't dress like that anymore. This is the baker people that God puts around us. And listen, every time the baker shows up, your first reaction is, God, get this person away from me. Meanwhile, you're crying in your personal time. Oh, God of heaven, Lord, get somebody to notice me. God, let somebody open doors. God, send me there. God brings you another baker. The baker liable to say this, you can't pray for people without mints because your breath stinks. <laughs> now you can go home and cry, get some mints in and start praying. Huh? The baker liable to say, son, if you want to preach, you got to be able to preach an hour without being up there hassling. Maybe you need to get on the treadmill. How dare you talk to a man of God like that? Come on, these are bakers. Listen, we gotta have the bakers in our life if we're ever going to reach the destiny. Now let me show you the other thing. The baker you want to drive away because you don't like how they you don't like how they treat you, you don't like how they say it. Now listen to this. Let me tell you this. If you have a baker in your life, here's here's the reason why you can take what they're saying. Because you know that they love you and they're not trying to live their life through yours. They already got their life. This is good. This is good right there. They're not trying to live their baseball career through you. They've already played theirs. They're just trying to get you to be a better hitter. Gosh, that's good. I'm, man, I'm going to get this on. I'm going to get this CD myself and listen to it. All right, listen to this. The, the baker is someone that takes a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They teach you about finances. They teach you how to tithe. Come on, somebody. They teach you how to, they teach you how to pay your taxes. They teach us all, all the stuff we got to know. Come on. Huh? They teach us how to look at someone and say, well, I can't afford that. I just don't know if I can afford that. I was with someone yesterday and said, I don't know if I can afford that. I said, don't ever let that come out your mouth again. Your daddy owns a cattle of a thousand hills. You might not be standing there today, but don't ever say, I can't afford it. Say, one day I'll buy everything I ever need. I'll pay cash for it and I'll go to the bank and borrow it. Come on now, this is what the Bible says. We're king's kids, but we live it like we're a bunch of orphans outside of an orphanage trying to beg God for something. My God. 
Now here's the butler. You got to have a butler in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, my God, you need a butler. You know what a butler is? A butler is somebody that's done, some, uh, somebody that's done arrived at the destination you're trying to reach. So in other words, the butler has influence with the people that you're trying to get next to. They already got influence. They're not trying to get influence. They got influence. And what does a butler do? Opens the door. Put your Bible right beside her. It says this. Come, let me hold your hand. I'm, I don't want your Bible. It says, listen, I already got a stage. Don't go find you one. Get on my stage. That's what the butler does. The butler opens the door for you to get to your destiny. Come on, somebody. It's where you want, you got a dream in your heart to do finances. He's going to put somebody around you filthy rich. Now, let me tell you what you got to kill. You got to kill envy. You got to kill jealousy. Let me tell you one bigger than that you got to kill. You got to kill that grasshopper mentality where you see that you just filthy scum and they already there. Because if you see that, you will drive the butler away from your life because you're intimidated. And low self-esteem and you see yourself as just some little roach running around on the ground. You don't feel like even worthy to get with the butler. And God sent you the butler to get you to where the butler's standing. My God, boy, I'm telling you. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Listen, if you're praying about finances, God ain't fixing to send you somebody driving something that's rusted out, held together by Christian bumper stickers to teach you about finances. They probably go show up in the Mercedes Benz and get out in a Versace. Amen. That's going to startle you in the Dotson. I know. Because it did me. Lord, I just, I just want to drive this little Dotson and, you know, just, just try to make it and just live in the single wide. But let me tell you something. Destiny always is emerging out of you. That's why David knew when he heard Saul say what the payment was for, defeat, for defeating Goliath. Come on. He said, listen, my great-granddaddy Boaz had money. Somewhere along the line, we mismanaged what was handed to us. And now daddy ain't got nothing but 10 acres and a few measly sheep out there that he's left me with. Didn't even believe I was qualified to come stand in front of Samuel. But I'm telling you, there's something on the inside of me. Man, come on, somebody. You remember when you remember when Goliath come out? He said, let me take you to my trophy room. I ain't some little midget. I ain't some little nobody. Let me take you to the trophy room. I got a bare skin rug when he come out and tried to... When he tried to come out and get the sheep. I got a bear skin rug. Look at all right. I, I lay down every night above my headboard, running my fingers through the mane on that line that I killed with my bare hands. Listen, the same God that did that is the same God today that's gonna help me take off your head. This is destiny on the inside of us. My God. It's his destiny calling me to that place. Saying, I know you're never going to take the land when you, they come back to give. Well, what does the land look like? Oh, it does flow with milk and honey. But we were like grasshoppers in their sight. If you walk in the room and you believe that you're not enough, you will be received as if you're not enough. Now, I'm not talking about walking in the room with your head where we can't. Now, there's the other side of the coin. If we got to put Vaseline on your side of your ears right here to squeeze your head through the door, I ain't talking about that. But Jesus gives the perfect example. Remember when they told him to sit down, when they was panicking because he didn't have nowhere to feed them? He stood there in full confidence. I don't believe his lip was quivering. I don't believe he was crying. I don't believe he said, I don't know what we're going to do, boys. He had it all constrained because he himself knew what he was about to do. I'm about to look up into that realm right there that y'all don't hardly know nothing about. But that realm right there is unlimited. And when I bless what's in this realm with that realm right there, it breaks the limitations off of it. So everything, you got to look at God's training you. And he's fixing to send you to Miyagi. And you're going to have to learn how to wax the car. And you're going to have to learn how to paint the fence. 
<laughs> jump up and tell them I'm telling them a lie right here. I'm just going to jump on something, how I live my life. When I was 22 years old, me and Catherine got married. How old are you standing? 23. I was a year younger than him. 22. What did I do in the summertime? Every Saturday, I push mowed my pastor's yard. Everybody like, man, I, that, y'all seen the size of me, y'all. Somebody said, I ain't pushing more than that. <laughs> You'll have to, glory to God. We've graduated from cutting grass, praise God. I still like it, though, but <clears throat> push mode tomorrow. She had a Lincoln Continental Town car. That ain't no sedan. That's, that's nearly about you got to have CDLs to drive it. I ain't talking about it ain't got love seats in it for it. I'm talking about it's got the big sectional sofa in the back. I washed the car. There, nobody told me on my, nobody told me to go wash my pastor's car. Nobody told me to go cut the grass. I rode by there one Saturday and the grass was high. And so I got out and I did something about it. And I did that. So when we, t- when we talk about honor, that ain't something I just come up with because I read it out of Bill Johnson's book. That's been in my life since I was a kid. And if we brought my mom in here, she'd tell you there was three elderly people that lived on our block. When I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, I cut their grass every summer. Occasionally, they'd give me $20 bill, and I thought it was big money back then. So let's move right on. So you got to think that God has been training you the whole time. And if we, if we had this in mind, when we got that boss that came in and it was riding us, we would begin to view life a little different. All right. I got, a, I got, a, I got, I got about 18 minutes. I'm going to finish up with this. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about time we, we graduate from the footman. Quit whining. Why did God give y'all, them, why did God give y'all those crazy students? You can't call them screaming out because he's probably about to send us 100 crazy parishioners. <laughs> Everything's training. Uh, let me say this. <clears throat> when I got my first, I, I say, bass boat, all I'd ever had was the tiller steer or the stick steering john boat. How I many of those I'm talking about? You sit up front, got a little, push it down, you know what I'm saying, or the tiller steer in the back. Well, you can't operate an 18-foot boat like you do a 12-foot john boat. When you're loading it, when you come and approach in the dock, everything's different, right? When I got a 20-foot boat, it was a little different than, it was a whole lot different from the whatever. And so what I'm preparing to be able to handle the 42-foot boat that is going to take everybody to get us offshore. You understand what I'm saying? Everything's that. So listen to this. So let me bring it back to ministry. So we planned our first church in 2006. 2006, we start in the storefront. God taught me a lot about faith because you got to believe by faith. Now listen, when your first couple of services, your friends, your neighbors, your family, everybody's going to show up to hear you preach. But after a month, the family's gone back to their church, friends has gone back to their church, and now they say they're just praying for you. About eight weeks later, they forget to even pray for you anymore. So it taught me how to walk by faith. And another thing it taught me is to not compromise the vision that God, God gave me to worry about church growth. Matt, you've been with me 10 years. We never compromise what God was saying to get numbers. Listen, we will never trade presents for people, but we are willing to trade people for presents any day. Gosh, that's good. So we had to learn. We had to learn how to operate. We had to, we had to learn how to, how, to, how to go through those things. And so listen, like you here, and I'm, I'm going to finish with this because I'm going to give us great hope. I had a lot of promises and a lot of things that God told me. And one of the things that God told me, I'm, I'm taking you back to 2008. 
In 2008, uh, the Lord was moving. We were seeing a lot of things. I got it written down in my journal. We had seen healings. I mean, just unusual healings. We seen skin cancer fall off. We seen bones heal. Uh, we got some of the images, I think, even on that computer back there of a lady with cur curvature of the spine, almost looked like a C-clamp, completely straightened. There was a lady that was sitting on the first row on that side. There was just a service just like this, and the Spirit of the Lord called, called me to told me to pick her up out of the chair. She had a soft cast on her ankle and all, all the way up to her knee. And I snatched her up, and, and when, when I did, the power of God healed her instantly. She went back to Dr. Lex Kennelly in Jessup, Georgia, at the Bone and Joint Institute. He told her to take the cast off, completely put her foot back in a tennis shoe. The bone is completely made straight. That's God. This is all happening in 2008. Just God moving tremendous. I'm telling you this to say this. Look at your neighbor and say, destiny is still waiting. You got to water it. I've not seen where the Lord added the increase of what he said that morning in 2008, but I'm telling you, we're about to see it. I got to hook you up right here. Can you stay with me? Can you give me eight minutes? I haven't seen what God said to me in May of 2008 yet. I was in a season where it's been planted. I've had to water it. God has watered it, but I'm about to see where God adds the increase because I'm telling you, when he stood up that morning, he didn't know it. I didn't know it. I thought he was talking about the previous 10 years, but what he's saying, son, there's coming 10 years. There's coming a decade thing. Listen, the Naomi's are gonna leave in the next 10 years. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, they're going to leave but listen they're going to come back to a place they're going to come back to a place where the bread is wafting all over the city they're coming back to that place and they're going to bring the roots with them and this is your breakout year 2018 is going to be the breakout year you can't make it up you can't make it up you can't write, the, you can't write it fiction enough listen to this Sitting there this morning. He's a prophetic guy. I ain't heard from him. This ain't Wyatt Rothwell or anybody prophet that's been in here to minister in this pulpit. Not saying that I don't believe in Wyatt or anything like that. I do. I'll take anybody. You know what I'm saying? If God's on it. I don't care if he's talking to the donkey. Listen to this. Phone goes off. And looks and said, my God, I ain't heard from him in a long time. Text me the last time, March 24th, 2016. So it's been a while. He said, I had a dream about men of Cornerstone last night. Was, it, was exhorting them to return to passionate worship. I heard wonderful warriors, extravagant, wonderful, powerful worship from the warriors of the Lord around the fire of God. Boy, there's so much right there. Prayers being answered, disease healed, etc. was reminded that we are to endure hardship as a good soldier in Christ. Remember to have faith, patience in the face of fiery trials and to persevere. That even Christ himself learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Father's calling for his mighty, wonderful warriors to bring the weapons of prayer and praise and worship to him. It was like, it was a battle-like cry. I like, oh my God, I'm, I know how to swing that axe, brother. Like from the battle scenes of the, on the movie Braveheart. This is why many men, look at this, this guy don't got a clue. This is why many men who were once there have found themselves being drawn back in. What's drawing? Destiny. Pulling like a magnet. My God, y'all better get off me. Son, we've done limp back up in this place. I said we limp. We got up from the... Whew. We in that Ezekiel 37 where bone has found another bone. Come on, somebody. Flesh about to hook the flesh. This arm about to stand up again. I'm telling you. I'm not moved by the hundred and something chairs that is empty this morning. I'm not moved by what the tithe report said last week. I'm telling you what the God of heaven and the God of glory is saying to this house. My God up in heaven. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. 
when we was about to rip everything loose in that office. And we was going to burn the desk as a burnt offering unto the Lord. Last week, talking about the 2008 prophecy, right? Now, this man sends me this text. And he talks about the sound that has caused men to get back up. Well, I, I just want to stick to the scripture, not believe in those smoking mirrors. Well, you go on. I'm sticking to the scriptures too. But I got to live by the rain of word. Come on. I can't live by what somebody said in the 60s. Come on, somebody. I got to hear for myself today. I said, I got to climb the ladder and hear for myself. I got a Zacchaeus spirit in me. I can't run with the crowd. I'm the one that's hanging out in the trees with my head stuck up saying, I got to see him for who he is. Whew. This sound, listen to this, they've been drawn back in. They've heard the Lord's rally call to return to the camp. This is the sound that I saw being released into the atmosphere from Cornerstone on my drive to Tifton three years ago. Men unite. Worship the Lord, you wonderful warriors, and the sparks will fly. I ain't got time to tell. I, I just ain't got time to tell it all that I've seen God do in the last in the last little bit. We go to a cabin, Catherine, nah, just us. And so she gets this book down there about the history of North Georgia up in there in the mountains. Now listen to this. We gave this on a Wednesday night. Wednesday night, last Wednesday night falls there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's 11.57. I'm tracking, okay? I know how to drive this plane. I know how to speed it up. This is like the Polar Express. We always get on time, okay? Don't worry about it. Just stay with me. What I'm giving you right now feeds you far more than what a sister's piece of chicken ever feeds you. This is what we live by right here. Whew. We can go eat at sisters and I got to eat again tonight before I go to bed at least a bowl of cereal. Come on, somebody. This right here is what sustains us. Mary, this is the real stuff right here. So we get called up in this and we, we believe that God's speaking to us when we got on the 40-day fast after Lou went to Cleveland to the call. And we start looking at all this stuff that we sitting on Cleveland Street. When Stanton gets the first prophetic word that he's called into the ministry by Gary Brooks standing on that stage, his daddy took him to the Cleveland Indians and he's wrapped in the Cleveland Indian jacket. Can't make this up now. Can't, hey, he, how old was he when he got that word from Gary? What'd you say? Three or four years of age. Gary told him he's going to make war with his hands, called him into the ministry, got a Cleveland jacket on. Cleveland Indian. The Lou discovers after he goes to Los Angeles. Remember this, revival and, and the things of God, I'm telling you, is like national treasure. Somebody finds the Charlotte pipe, somebody finds the glasses, but they're coming a generation that's going to walk in the fullness of the promise, okay? I'm not, listen, if I never get to walk in the fullness of it, as long as I pointed a generation to it and say, boys, there's the final door right there. Go give it one last karate chop, one kick in the chest, and go in that treasure room and get it. Come on now. We've done our job. All right. So God started speaking and said through the Bob Jones Gulliver prophecy. You got that You got that picture? You got to throw that up there just so that they can see. You can go home and Google this. Look at this. His head was laying in Cleveland. So they believed that they had to go to Cleveland. They had to go to LeBron James. Come on, somebody. Going back to King James. That's what they call him. King James's court is where they went. You can't make this up. They go to King James's court in Cleveland, pray for revival, that the revival man has got to get up in Cleveland. Now, when Dale went, this is it. I texted him and I asked him this. He said, I think it was in 2005. It wasn't in 2005 because Bill Johnson didn't write Heaven Invades Earth until August of 2005. So I know it wasn't then because the meeting was held in the um, the meeting was held before this. So I, if I was a bad man and and I could be off on this, somebody help me track this down. I bet you that Dale loaded up on the plane to go to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, in 07 or either 08. It was not 2005. Remember this. 
that as he goes and gets on the plane, you remember he baptizes himself, comes out of the cabin, goes to the swimming pool, baptizes himself. He's, he's desperate for God, seeking a healing anointing. He goes to the mailbox, opens the mailbox, and there's the card. And it says, VOA, Voice of Apostles, Heidi Baker, Randy Clark, impartation for healing and signs, wonders, and miracles, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I said this, if you want to play with him, buy him a set of plane tickets. He doesn't like to fly. God got to get on the plane and go by himself. He gets on the plane, goes by himself, gets to Gettysburg, gets to the hotel. Not going through that little scene, but that's prophetic there within the scene. Anyhow, God starts dealing with him about his grandfather who lost his left hand in a hunting accident. And he starts telling him about the left-handers. And that God's going to use a left-handed movement. All of this kind of stuff comes back. Now, know this, that Austin's left-handed. And God started talking. So we go to sisters. This was, this was now, I mean, this is two weeks ago. Stanton comes in. He says, you got to see this. you got to see this. And there it is. And I look at it, and it's me standing on the stage. And he's down here, and I'm screaming, prophesying to him about Ehud and prophesying to him about the left hand. Remember that? He preached on it last Sunday. God, so, so I'm like, he said, God's serious about this left hand. And so he got with me. He said, man, look where Gulliver's left hand is laying. It's laying in Philadelphia. Where did Adel come from? Philadelphia. Church, I'm screaming to us. See, y'all sitting here looking at all the empty chairs. You see us back here beside this cornfield, and that's what you're thinking. I'm telling you, listen to me. Literally, Jets is going to touch down into this place because of the abundance of wealth of revelation that God is putting in this house. He's destined it to be here. He hid it back here in this little old country, hit town called Sparks, put us next to a water tower, and said, I'm destined you to always have the water when nobody else has got water. Your house is destined to have water. Listen to this. His head's laying in Cleveland, but his left hand's laying in Philadelphia. Well, I said this. I told Stanton, I said, what are you talking about the left hand? I said, my daddy was left-handed. I got three boys. Didn't get a left-hander. We knew that Asher, I told Kevin, I said, Asher, he's red-headed, he's different. He's going to be left-handed. I said, this is, is going to be the big red, big, big red machine right here. I mean, it's a flamethrower. I mean, he's going to be a lefty. I put stuff in his left hand. He throw it down, grab it with his right hand. I said, hold on. Put it with the left hand, grab it with the right hand. So we're sitting in sisters. And Stan, he said, I'm your left-handed son. I said, oh, my God. Could you tell me that a man leaves in 08, goes to get a healing anointing, comes back to this house, talks about the left-hander, but we ain't got a left-hander. So it took from 2008, it took 10 years to allow the left-hander to grow up in the house. I can't get no more. When we left, when Ken left us with worship, we called Bethel. We called the ramp. We called everywhere you could find to get a worship leader. They didn't nobody have one. And the Spirit of God talk, spoke to me, and he said, don't look outside of that house. For I equipped that house. Everything it needs is in the house. Everything is in the house. It may have to grow up. We may have to wait a few years, but it's in the house. I said the missionaries we've been looking for is in the house. I said the prophet we've been looking for is in the house. I said the preacher we've been needing is in the house. The missionaries in the house. The money's in the house. You just ain't got the promotion yet. You just ain't got that job yet. You just ain't come up with that invention yet. But oh, just wait. It's in the house. Y'all gonna give me a little bit of credit right here? I'm preaching on overtime right now. I gotta be done with it though. That left hand's laying in Philadelphia. Now when he stands up, he's gonna have one foot in Charlotte and he's gonna have another foot in Atlanta. Bob Jones said when he stands up and when that foot hits Atlanta, the south is gonna be swept with massive revival. Now let me tell you this. We get to the cabin. Now it's just me and Sister Cat, okay? So I'm not ready to go up there and read history books. 
See law now. You know what I'm saying? I done got Lionel playing already in Athens. <laughs> hey, I got wisdom. Hey, I right, don't quit with that because I'll get sidetracked there. Won't be able to finish this message. We sat down at the cabin. She looks at this, says the history. We got time to get in about the, what God talked about the wealth with the Indians. I'll save that for another thing. But we ride up there to where they drove the Cherokee and all that out and put them on the trail of tears. And this is what it says in this book in our cabin. It said that there was a man came from Cincinnati. Cincinnati is the reproductive organs. It says he came from Cincinnati and his name was Henry C. Bagley. And it says he discovered the harvest of trees that was in that region. And it says he began to harvest those trees. Check this out. 2017, did we not say this? That God told us, told me, remember we're saying this, that we are to contend for the entrepreneurial and the marketplace anointing that God intended upon this house. Remember that, right? This is what it says in that book. It says that Henry C. Bagley saw the harvest and it says that he began to develop a railroad to get the trees from the harvest to the marketplace. And he built a railroad to the neighboring town which was Cleveland. God's screaming to us with all this prophetic stuff. So what I'm telling you is church, you got to start seeing the destiny that's in you. Some of you have watched this thing get to the heights and you've seen it dip down into the lows. But God has awakened the Naomi's to come back to the place, to the camp and say, my God, there's something here again. What is here again? Now listen, Man, I, I, I'm not going to go in all that. I'm not going to go in. There's, there's, listen, if I painted, and maybe we can on a Wednesday night, go through every prophetic thread. You with me? But the same, listen here, the same anointing. Let me say it like this. The same God that was blowing the doors off of this church in 2008 and the same God that dropped the seeds for you to contend for the marketplace, for business, See, we're not going to be able to finance 30 missionaries on what's coming in that plate right there. But we can finance it if some contracts are signed with business and brings the tithe off of that. Where we're at is the same God that was doing that in 2008 is standing right here today. In November of 2017. And says, hello guys. I'm here again. You got another opportunity to get this ball down the field. Now I can tell you this. This is what I heard during worship. I heard the Lord say, don't ever try to put me in a box. Let me do what I want to do. I could just feel him saying that to me. Let me do what I want to do. And you remember the message that I preached about secretary. You remember when, 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 you remember when the, the trainer was telling Penny about secretary. She said that, that, he said that pace is going to bust his heart. Don't stop him. Slow him down. And you remember that she reaches out. She hollers out to Ronnie. And she says, let him run. Let him run. This is all we want to do is we want to let him run, let him run, let him run. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. And all we want to do is get behind that wake that he's pushing and keep the surfboard right in the crown of that wake and say, run, God, run. Now, I want you to pray like this. Say, God, help me discover the treasure that you've had in me. Help me awaken the destiny. You did not find this place by happenstance. You're destined to be here. Stand up on your feet and let's pray.
We got some things that we're going to share Wednesday night. Some exciting things that's coming up that that we're going to see in 2018, and we're going to share those. We'll share those Wednesday night. But I feel like I can't drop nothing else. I feel like if we drop anything else, it's going to be overload. So, how many believe we got up in some show enough stuff this morning? Whew, my God, how many feel encouraged? How many knows that God's still working on you? How many believe that God's not done with you? All right. Now, Father, I just thank you for the day. I thank you for the privilege of being here. I thank you for the, the, the privilege for just, just to stand here and declare, thus saith the Lord and what you're talking about. And so, Father, help us to believe. Help us to raise the bar of vision, to see. Father, help us to dream, to dream again. You said in the last days you shall pour your spirit upon all flesh, that your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Church, we're seeing that right now. Steve is an old man dreaming dreams again. You know what that literally means? the dream that he once believed in he believes in it again he's back believing in that dream again come on now come on now we're all believing in the dream the young men's are having visions come on we seeing the thing we seeing the thing and we got the wisdom to overload overload look at the barrel of the gun and say yes that's where you fire it at come on God's setting us up so father I just thank you today we give you the praise honor and glory church give the Lord one hand clap of praise and let's get out of here come on Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.